Greetings, people love God by God. Welcome to worship on this Ash Wednesday, this first day in the holy season of Lent. Uh, we also welcome our friends who are watching online. Uh, as I always remind you, uh, you can go to our website, chapelofthecross.org, and there you will find under the resources tab the bulletin for the service where you can follow along, as well as the give tab where you can give your offering or tithe to the church and to the Lord's work. We also welcome this evening our brothers and sisters in Christ from our sister church, Emmanuel Lutheran Chapel. Wonderful to have you with us tonight as well. Our theme for these Lenten midweek services will focus on the hands of the passion. Each week we'll be focusing on a different set of hands that we find in the Lenten story, such as Judas' hands of betrayal or Peter's hands of misguided zeal. Today on this Ash Wednesday, we will look at the tax collector's hands of repentance that we hear about in our gospel reading for tonight. It is our custom at chapel to receive the sign of the cross in ashes on our foreheads during this Ash Wednesday worship service. That will take place near the beginning of the service during the confession of sins. Um, if you would prefer to receive that cross on, on the top of your hand rather than your forehead, that's just fine. Just uh, show me your hand when you come forward for that and I will put it on your hand. Or if you prefer not to receive those ashes, that's fine. You can stay in your, in your pew and, and meditate or pray during that time in the service. Uh, and, and before you all come forward, I will come down the center aisle for those who are unable to come forward and give you ashes there in the pew if you would like to do that. Just raise your hand as I come by. God's blessings to you as we worship this day. We begin by singing together that opening hymn, Savior, when in dust to thee, as it's printed in your bulletin, we stand to sing it together.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We begin our Lenten journey toward the cross. We follow Jesus through the wilderness. We commit ourselves to prayer. We commit ourselves to serving God and our neighbors. We remember our mortality. We remember God's mercy. For as Adam, we came from the dust, and to dust we shall return. As Adam, we have sinned, and we need God's forgiveness. Our Heavenly Father knows our frailty and our need for forgiveness, life, and salvation. He invites us to return to Him with broken and contrite hearts. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Amen. Come forward as you so desire to receive a cross of ashes on your forehead in token of your sincere repentance before God.
we stand. The ashes upon our foreheads declare what is true. Without the forgiveness of our God, we are hopeless. The shape of the ashes upon our foreheads also declares what is true. God sent his only son to die in our place. Because of his death and resurrection, we have the forgiveness of sins and hope. As I called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. Lord be with you. And also Let us pray. Almighty and merciful Father, you freely forgive those who, as David of old, acknowledge and confess their sins. Create in us pure hearts and wash away all our sins in the blood of your dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament reading for this Ash Wednesday is from Isaiah, the 59th chapter. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion, and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, fomenting oppression and revolt, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. 
So his own arm worked salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so will he repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, men will fear the name of the Lord, and from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
The epistle reading is from the 5th and 6th chapters of 2 Corinthians. St. Paul writes, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated as we sing our hymn, I Lay My Sins on Jesus.
grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we observe Ash Wednesday, and we have received that cross-shaped ash on our foreheads, a sign of our mortality, for sure, a sign of repentance and the need for forgiveness that we all have, well, maybe most of all, a sign of the one who gives that forgiveness, Jesus Christ. It's this day that begins our 40 days of preparation for the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And each and every year we gather on this somber day, and each and every year we're reminded of sin and its awful consequences. And each and every year on this day we begin a special journey, a journey with the Savior. This year as we journey, we will be focusing on of all things, like I said before, hands. And when you think about it, hands are an indispensable part of our lives. We probably don't think about it very often, am I right? But think about the things that you do with your hands. Brushing your teeth, checking your email, eating your lunch, opening a door, picking up a book, turning a page in a book. I mean, you can't accomplish those things without the use of your hands. And because hands are such a big part of our lives, it really shouldn't come as any surprise that hands also figure pretty prominently in the events surrounding our Savior's suffering and His death. And so that's why the theme for our midweek Lenten services this year is the hands of the passion. But the hands we will examine tonight, they don't belong to, to Judas or Caiaphas or Peter or Pilate or even Jesus. Instead, we will focus our attention on the two men that Jesus describes in the gospel reading that I read a few minutes ago. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And that parable might be familiar to a lot of us. It's a familiar story. But as we look at that story again, I, I want you to kind of get a picture in your mind and I want you to picture their hands. And especially as we look at that tax collector to appreciate and to embrace what it means to have hands of repentance. And when you look at this parable, on the surface, it really just seems like a kind of a moral lesson about pride and humility. As Jesus really said, even in his conclusion, he said, everybody who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So let's all get a little more humble. Enough said, and we're done. Amen. There's more to it than that. I mean, that's on the surface. That's what it kind of seems like. The Pharisee's so-called prayer sounds more like an application for the Pharisee of the Year Award. I mean, even if that Pharisee's hands are folded together in prayer or raised to heaven in prayer, what he's really doing is just giving himself a verbal pat on the back because his prayer is all about himself. Did you notice that? In two little sentences, he manages to say the word I five times. I thank you that I am not like other men. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. He's really not thinking about God at all in his prayer because he's kind of stuck on himself. Now, Pharisee was a, a good man, at least in his mind, who, who really needed no forgiveness at all. That Pharisee was a holy man, 
at least in his mind, who really did not need the mercy of God. That Pharisee talked about God all the time, but God did not mean a whole lot to him. Not really. Because he was stuck on himself. And he believed that fasting and tithing and not being like those other people really impressed God. And that's what makes this story kind of amazing when it, when it was first told. The, the, Pharisees popping, the Pharisee that's popping his buttons with pride in who he was, was by every definition in that culture a very, very good man. He was exactly who he claimed to be. And that tax collector, he was exactly who he said he was too. A dirty, rotten scoundrel. A collaborator with the Romans. A crook. An unclean sinner. In his prayer, he didn't say one thing about his Christian behavior. In his prayer, he didn't say one thing about his Christian stewardship. In his prayer, he didn't say one thing about his Christian living. In fact, he was so ashamed that he clenched his hands into fists and he beat his breasts because he knew what he had done and he knew what he deserved. But instead of giving up, he offered a simple prayer to his God. Came into that temple that day and all he said was, God, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. That's all I can say about myself. <laughs> I can't say one good thing about myself because there's nothing good in me. I'm a sinner through and through. And there's nothing I can do about it. Only you can do something about it. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So the Pharisee is this very good man, and this tax collector is a very bad man. Yet, yet in Jesus' story, Mr. Pharisee of the year, he turns out to be the bad guy, and the terrible sinner turns out to be the good guy. I mean, what an incredible reversal it was for those people listening to that story. And I think we kind of like that, don't we? I mean, humility, even, even if maybe we're not very good at it, that's a cherished virtue. And so we like Jesus' ending of his parable. However, I think we do a disservice to Jesus and to his parable if we just keep it on that kind of surface level, on that pride versus humility level. Because remember how Luke starts this out. He says, Jesus told this parable to some who were confident of their own righteousness, to those who trusted in themselves. In other words, that issue, the issue here is not just pride versus humility, but how we expect to be right before God. Jesus says that only one of those two, the tax collector, went home justified. Only, only one of them went home right before God. That tells us that Jesus is teaching you and me something about our God. He's teaching us about how we are to be justified, how we are made right, how we receive that eternal reward. So what does he say? Well, perhaps something like this. If you want to be justified before God, God will have to do it for you. That Pharisee's prayer, 
If you notice, that never asked God for anything. Certainly not to make him just. The tax collector, though, he needs God for everything. He falls on God's mercy like a dying man, like the dead man that he was, with hands of repentance beating his breast. That's what Jesus is saying. We need God if we want to be right with God. And the place where that begins is just where we die to our pride and we beg for mercy. You know, really, when you, when you look at that story, those two men, are, they're both dead men. One is dead in his own self-righteousness, but he, has, he doesn't have a clue. He doesn't know it. The other is dead in his sin, and he knows it so very well. And he repents, and he pleads for mercy. And the Bible says that that man, that tax collector, that dirty, rotten scoundrel, that collaborator with the Romans, that crook, that unclean sinner, that man went home justified before God. Because that man went home forgiven. That man went home with peace. That man went home with joy. Because here was a man who knew his God. He knew that his God loved him, that his God forgave him, that God made him his child. He knew that that God was with him so he could go to that God and say to him, God, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. Now, if, there, if there's one thread that just runs through all of Scripture, if there's one thing you can find in every single book, that's the message. You know, God does not come to his people driving a hard bargain, saying to us, you know, if you don't pray right, if you don't give enough, if, if, if you aren't holy enough, well then, I'm not going to bless you. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. God comes to you in the message of Scripture and he simply says, I love you. That's his message to his people. I've gone to the cross for you. I've forgiven you every one of your sins. I've risen from the dead for you so you can one day be with me. That's the message of Scripture. And that is the answer to that prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, St. Paul talked about that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I, I really encourage you to pick up your Bible sometime this week and read through that chapter. It won't take you long. Just a wonderful chapter, 1 Corinthians 15 is. In fact, this past month of February, during the epistle readings at, at Sunday Church, we kind of looked through a number of those passages in that chapter. And Paul in that chapter, he talks about the fact that Jesus Christ He's our Savior, that Jesus Christ is the one who goes to the cross, and Jesus Christ is the one who paid for our sins on that cross and then rose from the dead victoriously on Easter Day. And what a shame it would be, Paul says, if Christ had not done that. And what a shame it would be if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Because if that is the case, then the whole gospel would be a lie. And all of us who preach about that gospel, we'd be liars. And you would be fools for believing it. But, Paul says, Christ has indeed been risen from the dead, and I know it. He conquered death, and I know it. He conquered the grave, and I know that too. He lives, and because he lives, we will live. Isn't it great, Paul says, that we have a Savior who loves and who cares and who suffers and who dies and rises and takes us to heaven? 
And then Paul finishes up that chapter. He says, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us forgiveness. He has given us mercy. He has given us grace. He has given us life. It's what made the difference in Paul's life. It's what made the difference in the life of that tax collector. And Jesus said that tax collector went home justified before God. He was made right, not by what he did. He was justified by what God did for him in Christ. And that makes all the difference in the world. (laughs) That I've been justified. That you have been justified. We are made right before God. We know the Lord. You know the Lord. You know that Jesus Christ loves you. You know that he gave up his life for you. You know that he rose for you. You know he has forgiven all of your sins. And that allows us to go home on this Ash Wednesday and every day with humble confidence. Humble confidence because we know we are in good hands because we are in God's hands. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we confess together our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed as that's printed for you on page 11 in your bulletin. We confess our faith together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord.
We stand for prayer. Prayer of the church is found on page 12 in your bulletin. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For peace and salvation, for reconciliation and unity, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For endurance and encouragement, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For pastors, teachers, and all ministers and leaders in your church, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor in difficult or dangerous vocations, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For favorable weather and the nourishment of your creation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who have not known the light of Christ or have fallen away into the darkness of the world, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those who suffer illness and grief, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the faithful who have gone before us and are with Christ, let us give thanks to the Lord. Thanks be to God. O God, from whom come all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may live in peace and quietness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Remember us in your kingdom and teach us ever to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We stand. Now may this eating and drinking keep and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Go in the Lord's peace and in his joy. Amen. We pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the salutary gift. We implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same, in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We remain standing as we sing our closing hymn together, Jesus, Refuge of the Weary.